Hello and welcome to Between the Mountains podcast with me, Chris. And today we welcome Lotta Hintzer to the show and we're going to talk about her mountain climbing experience and background, talk about mindset and positivity and a few other things that I think you will find of interest for someone who has such an eclectic background from a Masters in Economics to Miss Finland 2013 to mountain climbing on G2 and more. I really hope you enjoy the show. If you do, then please subscribe, follow, and share it with a friend who you reckon will like the show as well. But with no further ado, let's just dive straight into it. So hello, Lotta. How are you doing today? Hi, I'm good. I just finished my workout and now I'm here talking to you. So all good. How are you? Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm very well. Thank you very much. Yeah, I just saw I just saw your update. You're quite a busy person. You have a already done the story showing that you got stung by a bee and that your dog feasted on you so yeah yeah well it's not a very big dog luckily so yeah Yeah, a lot of damage so for those who don't know Lotta is truly an inspirational woman who you can't really place in one category and for good reason Lotta has got a master's degree in economics and volunteers in places like Kenya In 2013, she was crowned Miss Finland, and while continuing with modelling and entertainment work, she's now a mountaineer, having scaled mountains such as G2, Mont Blanc, Grand Paradiso, Broad Peak, West Spanish Peak, Kilimanjaro, Aconcagua, and despite all of these and more, her mum still calls it hiking. So Lotta, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, and I really appreciate it. Oh, thanks for having me. So first question really is just how's training in Finland treating you? Well, I really do miss the big mountains. I really miss going uphill. I mean, I just did an ultra run up to the highest point in Finland. That was 115 kilometers. And um, it was like going uphill. I was like, yay, finally. And then it ended at 1,300 meters. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> but so, yeah, I do miss the, the bigger mountains. But otherwise, it's been really good. I'm focusing on technical training and strength training at the moment. I can go on long long bike rides. So, yeah. Are you getting fatigued at all traveling from Helsinki, Helsinki to Lapland? Because it, it looks like you've got quite a good setup at both though. Um, well, it, it is a long drive, but I don't go there that often. And when I do, I just try to stay there for quite some time. And I have a good car. And yeah. Me. and I know you've just done a huge stint in Colorado as well with with Don Bowie Uh, have you had to adapt the training in any way at all or or is it the same things just with less altitude um well the biggest difference right now is that I have an inflamed patellar tendon so that is the biggest reason why I've switched from my um, endurance training cycle to more strength and based or technical stuff but otherwise it's been just same hours same same kind of training maybe a bit less uphill and I did notice a big difference when I came back to Finland that I was riding a lot longer distances in the same time uh, compared to Colorado so there is a difference in (laughs) in performance when the altitude changes yeah for sure so you stated that before your change from Miss Finland to Mountaineer, no, you state that your change from Miss Finland to Mountaineer was because of love, uh, your love of being an area of discomfort and risky situations. 
And from practicing cheerleading and living in the moment when doing stunts to scaling huge mountains, how do you feel when you actually get out to those mountains and climb? And I'm thinking more Pakistan here than, than Colorado. Oh, well, I miss Pakistan so much. I just read a book about Pakistan and I was like constantly thinking that I just want to go back. Um, well, of course, there's like when you're scaling a bigger mountain, there's uh, it's a long day. Usually when you start from camp to camp or camp to summit. And it's just, there's quite a few different phases. And the interesting part is that you kind of have to, I mean, someone could consider it boring, but you just got to entertain yourself <laughs> at times. I mean, because you could just go like one foot in front of the other. But that's the coolest part when it starts hurting and when it starts getting tiring and when it's like, um, you just got to focus because if you don't, something bad might happen. So, yeah, so, yeah well, it's, that, it's that pushing yourself on the mountains, isn't it? Where it's just it's just so it is rewarding. Yeah, it is really rewarding. And I just I just enjoy it a lot. And I, of course, it helps to have uh, I'm a little competitive. So <laughs> it's um, been nice to notice that I have um like a genetical predisposition to tolerate altitude pretty well so I can go pretty fast yeah and you can you can tell that from from seeing any of the achievements you've done it is it seems very it seems like you just hit the ground running as soon as you start doing it it's um yeah which which I'm hoping when I get to some high altitude mountains I can do the same thing but I've got a feeling that it's not gonna be the case Oh, you don't know until you try. I mean, that's the thing with altitude that it's kind of, you just got to go up there to see how you tolerate it. Other people will collapse at 3,000 meters and others can summit Mount Everest without oxygen. Yeah, it's nuts. Yeah. <laughs> it's nuts. So with this change, do you feel like you're changing who you are or did modeling and entertainment just take you away from these passions for a while? Um, no, it didn't take me away from my passions and I was doing all that simultaneously. Maybe not training, well, definitely not training as much right now. I'm prioritizing training. Uh, Don Bowery, he's my coach. I have a, another coach here in Finland and like it's very methodolo methodological <laughs> to like achieve certain things in certain time. But I was always into outdoors. I was always into going uphill, training, um, going out of my comfort zone. Except Don always says that it's not your uh, discomfort or it's not discomfort zone if you enjoy that. So <laughs> it's kind of... He does seem like a pretty nuts trainer, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. For sure. So going back right to the beginning now, what influence did the Ethiopian mountains and hiking in Lapland as a kid have on your pursuit of climbing now? Well, of course, it uh, instilled that need to go outdoors or get outdoors, the longing for just, I don't know what it is, but you just have it or you don't, that you just want to climb up to the top of some, well, I've heard someone call it a pile of rocks. <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's just you either have it or you don't and i remember looking at the summit of kilimanjaro which was it's a snow top 
and when we were flying past it when I was a kid and it just it was very inviting and I mm -hmm. decided then and there that I want to I want to climb that mountain one time it is weird isn't it I, I've I've done the same thing I've been driving in the uh, I think it was in Dartmoor National Park and the the crazy thing about National Park that National Park in the UK is that you've got just sort of these set of boulders on top of these hills that have just naturally just collected yeah and I just I, st I stopped like two or three times just just to go I just want to climb up to the top of those boulders and it yeah. wasn't anything mental but it's, it's just a craving that you have yeah <laughs> it's just I don't know why I can't really explain it I just just want to stop the car and just go go climb yeah so um it's fine I was with good company I didn't look weird so um but uh but yeah you're right it, it's yeah it, it's something inside you and yeah maybe maybe it is from from that child ex child exposure just completely setting the foundations yeah yeah, so thinking about Ethiopia as well, in a 2013 Miss Finland interview, you said that you wanted to live in East Africa. And so more specifically about that, what is it about that region that you love so much? Maybe it's growing up there. I mean, I lived uh, like all my first memories are from there. My like most adventurous, exciting childhood memories are from there. And it was just a really happy time in my life and i like the culture the i love the people they're all just so tia this is africa like if something's not exactly like if someone's not on time it's like tia this is africa <laughs> it's very very relaxed so i i i like that i like the but i also um have a lot of like respect to all those people who who live in real discomfort and who fight for their like they're the real warriors of today who have to provide for their family have almost nothing they just it's like every day is a struggle and it like a, yeah, yeah. It's, it's life or death and i just well, it's, have huge respect for all of the people who would just still soldier on yeah have amazing attitudes that's the thing like i go there volunteer there actually a little correction i've been volunteering in uganda and ethiopia but not kenya just visited oh okay a few times but my bad <laughs> no worries there's um lots of different media outlets that have gotten it wrong as well <laughs> but yeah that might be where I got it from. Yeah. <laughs> but let it be said here now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But the thing is that you go there, you are uh, surrounded by these people who have nothing and they just have the most amazing attitude and they're just like, they blow your mind. Then you come back to the Western world and people are complaining about, like you, in the grocery store, kids are complaining about not getting the newest version of a toy or, or. Yeah. Uh, your friends are complaining about things that actually really don't matter that much. <laughs> so, well, that's actually one thing I like about the mountains. Is it puts yeah. everything in perspective? Yeah, and it's very everything's really basic. I mean, you go back to basics. Of course, it's uh, a lot of technical gear, and uh, the lighter the better, but the warmer the better, or the it's. Yeah, very technical in ways and also a gear, like, 
there's a lot of focus on what kind of gear you have, but mm, then it's also just really simple life when you get there. There's no internet connection and there's, I mean, the struggle we have with, we've had a Wi-Fi, <laughs> kind of yeah. like Wi-Fi, um, some sort of a Technically app. speaking, there's an internet connection. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it costs like 40 bucks to download an Instagram photo. And Jeez. it takes for an hour and you hold the phone like up in the air or in the right position towards the right satellite. And it's just, yeah, that's, that's the Wi-Fi for you there. So it's just very simple. Life is, you, you go back to basics when you're in base camp. And then when you go on the mountains, it's just survival. So that's actually quite a nice segue uh, as well to, to, to the mountains from, from wanting to live in Ethiopia, which by the way, I like that you've got that perfect blend between those happy childhood memories with actually liking the, the geography and the culture. That's, that's yeah. like a perfect blend of, of going somewhere. It's nice. But um, jumping to your time spent in the Karakoram now, uh, mm -hmm. in an interview with Gilgit Baltistan News, you said that you'd be interested to see how the cold of Finnish Lapland compares with the cold of Pakistan's mountains. Yeah. And I couldn't actually find an answer for that anywhere. So how, how do they compare? Oh, they're really cold. I mean, Karakoram <laughs> in the winter, it's, yeah, it's freezing cold. And when I go to Lapland, I do not stay in a tent. So that's that's a big difference. You say and the I glass igloos that, that you've been uh, posting about. <laughs> huh? You say in the glass igloos that you've been posting about recently. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So <laughs> that's a little. They're they're heated. Yeah. <laughs> There's a sauna available. So, um, but I don't know. I think it really did help to be aware of what actually it feels like to be really really cold. So it wasn't in any way a shock or I didn't feel uncomfortable with the cold and you kind of get used to it, but it does wear you out when you're every day, like, well, this you're might be tea. Getting battered by the elements, right? Huh? Getting battered by the elements. Yeah. And yeah. this might be too much information, but you go pee and... You're like, I don't want to pull my pants down because it's so cold and it's so windy and they're going to be full of snow again. And then. But the thing is, I interviewed a guy called John Gupta on this channel and he owns his own mountain expedition company. He's done Everest a few times and he said the phrase be bothered. Like you've got to be bothered. So when you wake up in the night in the tent and you need to pee, instead of spending three or four hours tossing and turning and then going for a week because yeah. you, you eventually give in, just go straight away. It, it might be freezing cold, but you can get back to bed and fall straight asleep again. So, but uh, yeah, you're right. You don't want to take, you don't want to do it. <laughs> nope. <laughs> so those are the little things that like every single time before you get out of the tent or you go pee or you pee in a bottle, it's like just... We're due out, little by little. I actually did write notes on my phone, like, reasons why you should never go on a winter expedition. So, I have a book coming out. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a long list. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be good. Um, 
And and actually thinking back, you you said um I, I've got a question about this anyway, but you even just said earlier just now that you're flying past Kilimanjaro and, and you went I'm going to do that, mm-hmm. um I'm going to climb that. And I think a lot of people listening can relate with that that feeling and that drive of seeing something and just thinking I'm going to do that. So I was wondering on a more lighter note, what other mountains that you're willing to share anyway, plan wise? What other mountains have you seen either a picture of on Instagram or you you just gone past it in the car and you thought, I'm going to do that one day? Are there any other mountains at all? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, I get the book out. <laughs> yeah. Well, like all kinds of mountains. I see a mountain and I'm like, oh, I could take that route or I could take that route and <laughs> just start planning it immediately. But one that I definitely want to do one day is Annapurna. It's just so it's like it's a magical mountain and i i'm aware of the dangers and the risks and everything but it's just i'd really really want to go there basically to answer your question yes there are plenty of (laughs) of these yeah without going into a separate podcast listing off all the uh no seriously (laughs) we were like i was just in norway a couple of weeks ago and i was I was just like getting annoyed. I was like, no, I can't handle this. There's so many cool mountains here that I want to climb and I won't have, like, I need 10 lifetimes to do this. So <laughs> it's too many nice or cool mountains in the world. That's the, that's the problem, isn't it? It's, it's, uh, it? Even if you had all the funding in the world that you still wouldn't be able to do all the mountains. Yep. It's just, it will, or at least not without wearing away or, or eventually falling off before you finish. Yes. <laughs> because you've been such a rush and fatigued it's you know I, I I really want to do Denali one day yeah but I, I'm 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 reaching 30 and I'm already on the back foot of only just getting into mountaineering so I'm already on the back foot of getting into it so uh, I'm sure I know I will one day do Denali but by that point I'll also have a book full of other mountains <laughs> that will just never be climbed by me <laughs> but um interesting that you mentioned Norway though I, I was going to ask it a bit later but you know on this podcast, we do usually invite people on to speak about an itinerary they've done or a trip they've done or an expedition. So, you know, briefly, how, how was uh, Lofoten, isn't it? That's how you say it, Lofoten, I think. Lofoten. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's the one. I've got a Norwegian friend who tried to teach me once and I, and I completely forgot. But <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it right, but I assume that it's something like that. How are you pronounce it? But yeah, the Lofoten Islands, it's beautiful. It was like, um, we went there with my friend right after I ran the ultramarathon or the run in Halti. And um, I just could not help myself. Like I just had to get out every day and like yeah, go yeah. and explore. We did, my friend, She's she was doing her first mountains ever, so we did took some easier trails and some pretty touristy ones as well. I've actually got uh, videos of the ones we did on my YouTube channel. But Which I'll put in the show notes as well. So for <laughs> anyone listening, uh, yeah. I was going to mention it at some point, but it's in the description. You can click, you can click the uh, the YouTube channel in the description and go and check out your videos because they are really entertaining and they're good. And and you know even the uh, the healthy challenge. You know, you, you're watching you do the challenge, you're you're emotionally invested. And at the end, you reward us with such good shots of the summit. You know, yes, it might not be a 6,000 meter peak or anything, but it's still gorgeous. So, it but yeah, is. side note, sorry. Yeah, you've got the videos on on YouTube. Yeah, so um, Norway in general, it's magical. And it's 
like the the islands it's you've got turquoise sea you've got beautiful beautiful mountain ranges and uh, very interesting climbs so um we did the more touristy routes, but then I went to explore on my own as well. It would have been good to have someone to go with, so you could do a bit more technical stuff, mm. like have a rope and at least rope up. <laughs> yeah. But... I mean, you, you went during Midnight Sun time. It, uh, I've got a friend who did a road trip around Iceland, and she said that she, she really struggled to, um, to sleep because... She, she'd go to sleep in the car and she'd think, well, I could sleep, but the sun stood up and I could just get to the next waterfall. <laughs> um, so she just kept going. Did you find similar similar aspects to pushing yourself? Were you, were you finding that you uh, were still going out late and early in the morning or, or did you just ignore it because you're used to it? I'm, I'm pretty used to, um, I mean, I really hope that when I go to sleep, I can pull the blinds and get it like super dark because that's the thing with the midnight sun here. In, in the north in the summer that it's just going to keep you awake unless you have proper blinds but we did luckily have those in on our trip but my schedule or yeah I usually go to bed if I have it my way I go at nine <laughs> and then, <laughs> then wake up at five four thirty-five, and then go train early in the morning I really like the crisp air and like when yeah. when the sun is rising and people are waking up and and when I do five hour training sets it's like good to get started early so you can catch up with the other people for the rest of the day. But and actually, you meant you mentioned crisp air uh, and I went to Helsinki in March and I've got to tell you like the I don't know what it is but over there like the, the I mean the, the it's just so cleaner it, it's it's it it really is so fresh and uh, a couple of times I saw sunrise uh, I just sat on the balcony in the Airbnb and just just watched sunrise and it was it was just incredible to just breathe that in at about one degree celsius <laughs> um, yeah that's had, uh, like even crispier yeah. than in the summer <laughs> yeah a one degree celsius For sure. yeah so but no, I didn't really have problems with the sun. I just started early and I did it usually another like one training set before my friend woke up, then she woke up and then we went to do something together. So worked out well. And then she would stay up until two in the morning and go take pictures of sunsets. Well, it doesn't set exactly, but yeah, it was kind of sunsets. Colors of <laughs> the sky. Yeah. Yeah, it look, it just sounds so so beautiful. I really really want to go. I kind of want to do Tromso at the peak of winter, and then I want to do Lufton sort of uh, at the peak of summer, and then I get I get to experience both in a similar kind of region. But well, but. I could do that then now uh, this winter as well. Yeah, well, you can just sort of drive up and hop over. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is that everything's so restricted right now. They put back the travel ban to Norway as well. So damn. Stuck That's in Finland for now. So your style of climbing was referred to as an alpine style. So just carrying all your kit yourself and without supplemental oxygen. And so with your plans to summit Everest, I'm interested to know what are your thoughts on doing it without supplemental oxygen? I think to be blunt, I think it's not real mountaineering it's more touristy stuff if you have uh, supplemental oxygen so it's not it's not sports anymore i want to 
I want to be um, do it in an authentic way, uh, scale the mountain on its terms. If I can, I can. If I can't, then it's mm. not for me. But I think that's something that comes from my background or, or my family background, that you either do everything the way it's pure and authentic or you don't do it at all. <laughs> yeah. There's a, there's a phrase I, I've picked up called half pregnant. So there's no point being half pregnant about something yeah. you either are or you aren't. <laughs> so it's kind of like, I know that there are um, studies made of the use of supplemental oxygen. So you basically bring the mountain down like thousands of meters and it's just not the same anymore. One of the reasons why you climb up is to experience the altitude and to actually like, that's, that's one of the things that you fight or just want to see how you can do in that environment so yeah but I like that I like that view though not that everyone should do it I mean everyone you know you do you but, yeah. but that's that's a pretty that's a very nails uh very tough uh resilient approach to, to doing it and it's quite admirable yeah. for me I wouldn't do it any other way but I want to do everything in the purest form and in um in the way that I can say that I actually climbed that mountain on, like I actually climbed that mountain. I didn't create an artificial environment to mm -hmm. go up somewhere. So, yeah. And it's, it's a shame because I've got I've got plenty of other thoughts thoughts behind it, but because I'm not an expert on supplemental oxygen, it's not really for a podcast. <laughs> but but yeah, it'd be interesting. It'd be interesting <laughs> to ask a couple other people who might know. Um, but like, like changing the amount you get or something yeah you need to talk about this with don <laughs> he has plenty of views on this he converted me i mean honestly it's like when i was i was actually thinking about this today while i was writing that uh it doesn't matter people ask me a lot about my goals my dreams and everything and i looked back and i, I thought that at different times they've been very different like at some point I it was just Kilimanjaro then I was like oh I want to do all the highest like mountains of the seven continents right now it, both of those feel like so far that like, I don't actually want to do the highest peak on all the continents like the seven summits anymore I want to do after that it was all the 8,000 meter peaks but then going on my first 8,000 meter expedition, I was like, no, I'm more interested, not just getting up the easiest way, but I want to explore the more interesting routes, uh, the harder ones. I want to just, it just evolves all the time. So it's a slippery slope, isn't it? Yeah. No pun intended. <laughs> yeah, it's slippery slope. <laughs> <laughs> it's just one, one thing and the next thing and the next thing. Yeah, and I, I, think, yeah. I don't have a definite goal or like, this is what I'm training for. I'm training for exploring and for going on adventures and uh, finding, I, I hope that's definitely one of my goals at the moment to be able to climb new routes and to maybe climb new peaks. It doesn't have to be an 8,000 meter peak always. So yeah. Yeah. And you said it before as well, haven't you? Like from as long as from the moment you leave your front door, you're having an adventure, then it's then you, you're winning. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. For sure. And uh, accidentally, a good segue there again. <laughs> um, we, we talk a lot about headspace and positivity on this podcast. And um, mm. 
and you are such a resilient person and I, I think you call it sisu in Finnish is yes is how do you so know so much about Finnish culture <laughs> <laughs> things so um you said you said you love getting into uncomfortable situations and when climbing G2 reaching the summit wasn't successful on that one uh, you know from food being stolen to another climber on the mountain having an accident to the incredibly hard decision to cancel due to awful weather forecast how do you get through these situations and stay positive and focused? And specifically as well, since having that question, you've done the 24 hour challenge ultra run to healthy and back. I know, which is pretty tough as well. Yeah, how how, how do you get through these situations and just stay focused? Uh, <clears throat> to be honest, I, I wasn't very positive on G2 when we made the decision. <laughs> no, tempting the summit. Um, it was, yeah, it was very bad luck for us. We were supposed to leave that day when, um, Don had to leave for a rescue. So he and, uh, Dennis Rubko, who we partnered with for a broad peak in the winter, then half a year later, they went to rescue an Italian climber who had fallen down like hundreds of meters and he's alive and doing well right now, but we lost our summit window there, like entirely lost it. And we yeah. stood there for waiting for the star storm to calm down and everything, but just didn't happen. If we would have attempted the day we decided to move from, or we were waiting in camp one, thinking we'd go to camp two, if we would have gone that night, Don made the executive call not to go, um, we would have been like in a huge avalanche. So we just watched in the night, like a huge avalanche wiping down the route that we were supposed to be on that night so good call Don then yeah good, good call <laughs> but I was definitely not positive before that moment <laughs> and but then it's not just about those specific moments though it's it's mindset going into things how you deal with at the time and then yeah. just as important how are you gonna either reframe it or process it after after yeah. the events happened yeah exactly and it's um, that's one of the reasons I've noticed that, like, of course, I always want to summit, but more important than the summit is the adventure before that, like mm. all the things you get to experience. And the thing with the mountains is that it's never only up to you. It's not your call. And I was so used to doing things like the healthy thing. Like, I would have gone up and down crawling if I had to. Like, I, I wouldn't... It seemed it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but I just, like, because there was no risk, like, environmental mm. risks. So, but when you're on the mountains, the biggest form of failure is not coming back. Yes. So you kind of have to balance and figure things out that what is the the most successful way I can do this adventure. And sometimes it's not summiting because the risk of not coming back grows too much. So yeah. So just have to, and that, 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 that's actually been really good for me that I have to take into account other things as well. And it, it's really humbling when you just can't do whatever you want. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. And something I've said in the podcast before as well is that 
Like, the mountain isn't moving anywhere. You know, it's not going to suddenly pick up and go to the tropics. You know, so <laughs> you can always come back another time and, and, and tackle it. And if you sum at that time, then brilliant. But it, yeah, like you said, the biggest failure is is not coming home. So yeah, yeah, for sure. So I'm thinking about that that time as well. When you were on G2, when you had to come back, were there any lessons from that particular moment that you applied to your self-dubbed Sufferfest that was the second half of the healthy challenge? <laughs> um. Well, it's been my mantra for quite some time that I don't care about my emotions or my feelings as long as I take one step forward. And on Halti, it was, <laughs> I don't care if I cry as long as I keep moving, as long as I keep taking that one step, step yeah. forward. So, like, on mountains, you always have, these situations where you're kind of like, I can take a step forward or backwards or just sit here. <laughs> yeah. It's a bad option <laughs> to just sit down because then you're definitely not going anywhere. So, but yeah, just deciding to take one step at a time. That's, that applies to a lot of things in life. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, and perhaps think, <laughs> thinking again, a takeaway in my head on this one was, sitting still you're going to get cold and then i i just checked the um, the this last question before some wrap-up questions okay. um and i thought oh, it was a good timing so when i saw the photos for this i was super impressed but how was doing your own shoot in minus 20 degrees celsius at base camp <laughs> it was cold but... <laughs> I mean, quite. it was quite cold yeah but I don't know. It's fun, I, think that, I think it's fun that I can. Um, it's it feeds my creative side that um, in a collaboration with a really talented photographer, we can actually produce stuff that no one, probably not many, <laughs> in this world. It's the can. first I've seen. Yeah. So <laughs> I it was the first I've seen as well. <laughs> Someone doing a broad peak winter photo shoot. <laughs> I've got to see if I can do something similar. Yeah, well, maybe not with a dress. <laughs> or maybe with a dress. Yeah, I can do something similar. <laughs> it just it would definitely be comedic then. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so some wrap-up questions then. So you mentioned uh, by far this is one of your favourite snacks. So why should someone mass purchase Honey Stinger waffles for their, for their outdoor snack? I just like them. I don't know why it's the they're nicely gooey and then still you get to chew on things because Don's always telling me like just bring snacks that you can throw in your mouth and then keep going but I'm like no this is part of my entertainment for the ride that I get to nibble on the <laughs> on the snack and <laughs> just like ride and eat <laughs> so honey stinger waffles are good for that. It seems like you have a really good talent of uh, of applying fun to every situation, that's for sure. <laughs> well, at least it's fun for me, so it counts. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So um, second one was, uh, I know you said you're bilingual um, with Finnish and English. Uh, if you could learn a third language, what would it be? I don't want to go back to Ethiopia and practice my Amharic. 
Okay. So that's the, the Ethiopian national. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. That's quite obscure. I mean, not to you because of your upbringing, but yeah. I mean, that's the that's the first time I've directly heard the name of it. Oh, you know, like you don't you're not going to pick up Duolingo and go, oh, brilliant, Ethiopian. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's cool. That, yeah, that would be fun. And then last question: In all of your climbing career so far, what is one moment that you would love to relive? Oh my goodness, one moment. I I can just envision all these different like scenes of like seeing K2 in the morning from uh, like camping above while we're between, well, we're at 6,600 meters, camped there, camped there for two nights in the winter. And then you look outside and it's just so beautiful. But yeah, maybe I can go back there. It was very cold though. Very, very Wake up cold. to see K2. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I, I, I suppose so, you don't feel the cold in the memory though, do you? No. Well, <laughs> <laughs> kind of. <laughs> perfect that sounds incredible that's it's just incredibly beautiful it, it, it's matched with another podcast that I, I did on Everest Base Camp where she said that she saw uh, if I remember correctly she saw sunset from the top of this peak this lower peak next to Everest and she, it was just yeah so to see K2 in the morning would just be insane yeah and yeah. It's just incredible though I do really 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 prefer the action times as well so tough one Maybe from camp two to camp three, it was also, I call it type two fun when your yes. ass are burning your front pointing all the way up on this like turquoise ice. So. Yeah, type two fun where it's not quite fun in the moment, but you look back and enjoy yeah. it. <laughs> and you're like, wow, that was cool. <laughs> Perfect. Well, listen, Lotta, thank you so much. Um, if we wanted to find out more information and follow along with your climbing journey, where can we go? Well, Instagram is probably the most up-to-date all the time. And then, Instagram and then YouTube. So on but, YouTube, I, I elaborate the things that I talk about on Instagram. For sure. And you, yeah, you're quite good at putting your training updates on there and also when you upload a YouTube video and showing drawers full of honey stinger waffles. So, <laughs> well, listen, Lotta, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really, really hope you enjoyed that podcast. It was so fascinating to dive into her, her eclectic background. If you did enjoy it, then please join in with the community. That's at BTM Travel Pod on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You can email me any questions or come on the show, btmtravelpod at gmail.com. And if you want to support the show as well, we have a Patreon link in the show notes. You can jump to the website, have a look at the other episodes too. But I really hope you enjoyed this episode and I hope you have a brilliant day and I'll see you in the next one.